1: Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. While there were no new Housewives shows on this week, me and my guest definitely found a lot to talk about. So we go into, you know, all of our favorite moments of 2021 on Bravo, what we're looking forward to this coming year on Bravo. We dive into Vanderpump Rules, into some of the Bravo news that's been circulating, and talk about OC and Salt Lake City. So there is plenty of content for today, despite the fact that we didn't see a lot of content on our screens this week. Most of the Bravo news is actually discussed by me and my guest. We kind of get in depth, especially around some of the James versus Noella stuff and the Lala versus Gigi from Shaw's and all of it. But one thing I don't know if I've talked about on the podcast yet is it seems like Carl and Lindsay from Summer House are actually together. So they were together for Christmas. They posted that they were, you know, at a hotel together. Then for New Year's, they posted about each other. So I don't know what's going on, but I am definitely here for it. I absolutely love the Craig and Page of it all, but I feel like Carl and Lindsay, I'm rooting for even more. And I'm so excited to see Summer House that's going to start in just a few weeks. Um before we get to this week's episode which is with Emily Hanks from the I Speak Bravo podcast she has the Instagram handle we speak housewives I just want to do a little brief housekeeping so a lot of you DM me and message me and give me feedback about this podcast. I'm starting year five of the podcast. I've had four full years. I've talked to a lot of different people. I'm always looking for new people to talk to. So if you have an idea of someone that I should ask on my podcast, please send me a message. I love getting them. And you guys come up with way better guests sometimes than I can. And so please uh, let me know who you would like me to have on this this podcast. And thank you so much for listening for all these years. I also would like to give a special shout out to nurses, doctors, EMTs, anyone that works in healthcare, especially in a hospital right now. I know it is awful and crazy and you're exhausted and probably bone tired, but We really appreciate you, and I don't think our society could continue to function without you. So I know it's really tough. I'm really hoping things get better soon, but just had to send my love and appreciation. And then, of course, as school gets back this week sending my love and appreciation to every teacher, uh, child care worker, anyone out there who's really helping our children through this tough time and keeping society moving. I know I know it's it's rough out there for a lot of people. A lot of you are probably sick right now. A lot of my friends are sick. a lot of my neighbors are sick but we will get through this together. If you hadn't had enough of me yet, you can check me out on the "What Else Is Going On" podcast with Taria that came out on Friday. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, you know, go ahead, give it a five star rating and write a kind review. If you have constructive criticism, my DMs are open. You can reach me at Mandy Slutzker on both Instagram and Twitter. Also, I have taken your all's advice. I have started The Real Housewives of Miami and I know it's airing on Peacock right now, season four, but I decided to go all the way back to season one. So I just binge season one this weekend and I plan to get through seasons two and three pretty shortly and then we'll be watching season four. So maybe at some point, I'll be able to catch up to The Real Housewives of Miami as it airs on Peacock. And we'll be sure to discuss it with my guests if they're also watching. So thanks, you guys, for everything, for listening for all these years. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Emily. It is so much fun. Again, Happy New Year and hope you all have an amazing week. Hi, everyone. I am here with Emily Hanks from the podcast, I Speak Bravo. Many of you probably know her from her Instagram handle, We Speak Housewives. How are you doing, Emily? I am doing so
2: good. Thank you
1: so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like we've been planning this for a while. Yes. We are right at the cusp of like the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, I was like, do you want to just chat about the year in review and the year ahead in terms of a Bravo lens? Because ain't nobody want to talk about COVID anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) No.
2: And I said, oh, my God, let me be on your podcast immediately. I can't believe you even know who I am because I love you so much. (laughs) Huge following on your page. I, don't, I honestly it's so weird because you can you can have a huge following but still it, it's it doesn't necessarily mean as much as you think it does it, like especially for a podcast I have to say I just give you so much credit for a second you have been doing your podcast for so long. And I'm sure people have an idea of how much goes into a podcast, but podcasts are a lot of work. You have to get your guests, number one. Then you have to watch the show and take notes. You don't just watch for fun. You have to make sure you know you have your talking points. Then you have to actually record it. Then you have to edit it. Then you have to write some sort of like summary of the episode. Then you have to make a little promo. By the time I was done with an episode, I was like, I don't care. Just, just listen to it. Like I might even just... <laughs> just, I can't. So I had to take a pause because I was, it just, it's a lot of work and you put out amazing content. I love your podcast. So oh, bravo thank you to you. so
1: much. I for I forget sometimes that people actually listen to it because for the longest time, I didn't have data. I didn't have like good data on like how many downloads I had until I switched to Anchor and then you can tell how many downloads you have, and also where people are listening from. Which for me is so interesting. It's like, oh my gosh, people are listening from South Africa and from UK and Canada and all over, and I just Australia, and I like love that. That's so uh-huh. fun. But in, before that, unless someone DM'd me, I didn't really know who was listening. I was just like speaking out into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's how I was when I first started doing my podcast. I just assumed because I didn't even really want to tell anyone I was doing it because I was like, I'm just let me just figure out what it is first, because I was it's it takes a lot to talk to yourself on a microphone like it's an adjustment, you know, and so I I had to figure out what it was. And when people would message me and say that they listened to it, I was like, oh, my God, I need to remember that it's a public forum uh, because (laughs) I might say things that might offend people. So yeah, I, I I know for a while I was like, this is just me. It's just me talking to a microphone, but yeah, people are listening and I am one of them, girl. I love it.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Emily. And with, with regards to like offending people there's always someone that's going to be offended by something you say. And I'm hoping that with me, after all these years, people know that my intention is not to offend or to hurt in any way. And so I always say, like, I welcome when people, you know, send me messages and tell me, hey, I didn't really like when you did this or didn't like when you do that. I'd rather that than leave a nasty review that I find out, like, four months later because I don't check them all the time. (laughs) You know, and Same. then it's like you're too political. It's like, well, I live in D.C. This is my life. I can't really, you know, strain. Is it that out a note that of you my get? a lot? Yeah, I'm too political. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but I just think some people don't ever want to be reminded that politics is happening, and that hmm. for them, Bravo is just a complete escape. And for me you don't escape politics. I live in Washington, D.C. It's just how it is. And so if I talk about something through a political or social lens, like some people just don't want that. But that's fine. There are plenty of other podcasts they could listen to. I don't know why they would take the time to, yes, you know, make a comment on something that I can't really change or I'm, I'm unwilling to change I'm unwilling to change yeah yeah
2: I um uh, I guess I haven't really done enough of my podcast to start get garnering those responses but I'm sure I'll get that note at some point I kind of can't help it like when um when everyone was really freaking out about Heather DeBro's big house I was like sorry, I'm that socialist that thinks like it's ridiculous that this woman has a house this big while people are homeless. (laughs) Yeah. All over California and everywhere else. So I I get like, I'm sure that's coming my way very soon because I understand that Bravo is an escape for people. But here's what I here's what I like to tell people about that. What separates the Bravo verse from like the Bachelor Nation is that we get the same cast Year after year after year. So we watch them like, oh, but we watch character development and they're benefiting off just being themselves with a big platform on The Bachelor. It's one person, the contestants, and then they recycle. They get a whole new whole new batch every single year. So they're not necessarily standing up as role models because they only have one season as we're on Bravo. You're Bravo led basically for life until you're kicked off the show or not asked back. And it's kind of impossible to then ignore social justice, social injustice, change, etc. when they're benefiting off this platform year after year.
1: Does that make sense? It yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, the bachelor is really interesting because I do watch bachelor and bachelorette. I'm not like, you know, gung ho all the time. But that was, you know, I've been watching for a really long time with girlfriends. We had a girls night every Monday, where we would take turns going to each other's apartments, and we would watch it and eat popcorn and drink wine and whatever. But it's interesting, the more I learn about The Bachelor and Bachelorette, it seems like producers always have to have like a villain, they have to have a hero. And and they put people in those places regardless of if they really are like that, you know. They they kind of manipulate people to behave a certain way. And I know that happens a bit on Bravo, where they get them very drunk and they encourage them to talk about things. But it seems a little bit more manufactured on the Bachelor franchise. Where did you
2: watch? Did you watch Bachelor in Paradise? This yeah. last one that was very manufactured. Which parts of it? The part where they had the two, I can't remember their names, sorry, but like the, they had them go off to like have a conversation after he just told the one person that he liked her and they start making out and it was just like all very orchestrated. It felt like,
1: yeah, I feel like, like they like bachelor, were like, okay, now you go over there. That, that for sure. But bachelor in paradise is, seems to me to be a little bit more real because they don't have time limits. Mm. On who they can like spend time with and how much and so the relationships that come from that to me seem to last longer or be more real because they're able to just get that time together. But it's so funny, the producers and I will stop talking about The Bachelor after this, but really love to make you root for a certain person on the show. And against another person, and so usually, especially with the Bachelorette, they make you think that one guy is perfect for Michelle, and the other guy isn't. And they only show footage that fits supports that, that supports that narrative. And then when Michelle chooses the guy that they're saying isn't ready, then the whole Bachelor Nation, all the viewers, are like, I can't believe you didn't pick Brandon. I can't, and it's like. Oh my goodness, we've seen this play out before. Yes, a lot of times things don't work, but we saw with Rachel Lindsay that this the whole time they wanted us to think that she was meant to be with the runner up. And she the guy that she chose who everyone was like this is never going to last. They've been together like 4 years and they're married. So it oh. frustrates me the way that people think that they know by watching the show what the outcome is supposed to be without realizing they're being manipulated by the way it's produced. Totally. But the producers
2: on The Bachelor really troll the cast. Like more than like when when you go from watching Bravo and how they treat them to watching (laughs) The Bachelor, like they, they will put them, they will make them look so stupid. They do not care. So it's, uh, it's a whole different world over there.
1: <laughs> I feel guilty watching sometimes because I'm like, I'm playing into these. Uh, the Yeah, there's there's stuff there that's um, unsavory for sure. Uh, all right. Unsavory. So let's go back through the past year. What were some of your favorite Bravo moments?
2: My number one is when Amrit came out to his grandmother on Family Karma. Oh, oh, that I whole love- that
1: scene
2: oh it was it was so sweet she was the cutest little lady about it but she's like you you saw the family like together to support amrit and you saw her realize a grandma realized that, you know, she didn't like it at first, but that he's happy. So she said, I'm happy. And like she, they like they all hug. And then Amri gives that amazing monologue about how this is just what it's like when you come out as gay. You know, it's good, but it's always a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, like I was a bawling mess when that first aired.
1: I think I loved it. Family Karma is by far one of the best shows to ever come out of Bravo. And I'm so glad I got into it. I hadn't seen season one. So I went back and binge season one and then started watching season two. And it is a joy, an (sighs) absolute joy to watch.
2: I just I'm going to move to Miami and have them all. I'm like, I'm just a part of this now. Because I love you guys like I just can I like I'll live in someone's house. I don't care. Like, but I just love you guys. I want to be a part of this. They all like the community. It just it's beautiful. And I was the same. I hadn't seen uh, season one. And so when I went back and watched, I thought, ooh, they're all so like kind and genuine. I almost don't want reality TV to ruin them because that will happen. It's impossible not to. And uh, we got a little bit of that with Monica and um, Anisha where they're, like, yeah. still going at it on social media. I mean, I'm I'm here for it, honestly. Like, I'm here for it. But also, like, it's going to really tear them apart at some point.
1: Yeah. I don't know if they were ever close to begin with, though. They seemed exactly. like they were brought together by the show. And people who are brought together by the show, I think, are more likely to have arguments than people who have these, like, longstanding relationships. However, we have seen longstanding relationships fall apart. But... You know, if you look at Summer House, for example, which is one of my highlights of 2021, you see that Danielle and Carl and Lindsay, like their friendship has stayed throughout. And there have been many years of this and them being on TV, and they have not let it tear them apart. But each one of them has a job outside of being on Bravo. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has grounded them. In a way that uh, Some other You know Bravo shows They don't have that Their job is to be a housewife Their job is to be on Vanderpump Rules You know And so mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> They like kind of Lose themselves In it a little bit more Whereas Danielle's such a good example oh, She Danielle. has this Full time Really intense job And that is her priority And she's just doing the show Because Her friends are there <laughs> You know,
2: I you know, I think I I loved the season of Summer House because we were they were forced to stay there. They couldn't leave. So we got to see them in their work mode, which we rarely I guess we did get to see that. But it was like once once they were taken out of the house and back in the city. It wasn't the same. Like I just wanted them to get back to the house. So then the fact that it was all taking place in the house and it forced them to like work co-work and share the space and everything, I loved it because it made them go nuts <laughs> more than <laughs> more than normal. And it and was so, I was so like, relatable. Yes.
1: Like we all yes. were stuck at home. Like watching them be stuck at home was just it was entertaining for sure. It
2: really showed us how badass Danielle is. Like we already knew, but like watching her just she'd be like on a Zoom call for hours. And then she'd take a little break to go work out, play some basketball. And then she's like, "Okay, back to work. And then she's like drinking till 2 a.m. and then back to work. I'm like, girl,
1: you you, she's impressive. She's so impressive. I love I love the Summer House crew. Just I love them. And did you get into winter house at all? Of course, honey. Was, Was that a highlight for you or was that just something you watched because it was on? Hmm. I wouldn't
2: call it a highlight, but I also what I would call it more was a fun experiment. And I want them to keep doing it because it was kind of like um, they didn't know what it was yet. It was their first time merging, you know, the way they did. And so they didn't they didn't quite have like the, the 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 idea, the pulse of the show yet. Um, and so I think I want them to keep doing it every year. Cause I want to see like what sort of tension can mount if they know like, Oh, I'm going to be on winter house again. Like, I don't know what they can do with it. Um, but I, I did appreciate it. It was very real world adjacent and I liked, I liked that. It was kind of like, oh now Bravo does real world. Um, I yeah. it seemed a little, it seemed a little off brand, I guess for some people, but I, I, I kind of respected the move from like a business standpoint for Bravo too. Cause I was like, okay, this, I get why they did this. They can only use so many people because of COVID and they have to keep them in a house and it's winter time. And okay, we have these casts that all hang out outside of the show and let's see what happens. when We put that on camera. And I think Austin and Craig are horrible, trashy people that I like watching on camera, but like they're trashy. people, <laughs> totally.
1: I'm actually looking forward to this next season of Southern Charm. And I don't think I have said that in years. Years. But I don't know if it's because the Paige and Craig of it all or to see Naomi back. I'm really interested in seeing Naomi again. And then Naomi and Craig and then Addison. Uh, Madison and Austin and I I don't know there's just something about the mess that I think is going to be very watchable
2: yeah if it's if this season though doesn't end up being um I don't know this will be like my test run season with Southern Charm I was getting like I am getting a little exhausted of Shep having a platform just because now Shep is like he's not going to be the bad guy anymore he's being so careful because he got in so much trouble when he made that awful video about the homeless lady with the cans and he tr- he kind of had to clean up his act and be like the nice guy. So now he just gives us nothing. So I'm like, okay, you can go like I don't need to see you unless he's going <laughs> to unless he's going to give me like a lot of drama with Taylor and that I will watch. I'll happily watch them like have a dysfunctional relationship, um, but he seems like he's so polished for the camera, but I love Leva and it looks like Leva's about to have a really bad season and yeah. If 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 I can't be Team Leva because Leva also sucks apparently I don't I, these are all rumors but have you you've seen the rumors I'm
1: assuming the only one I know is that she apparently has a potential show in the works that has not yet been picked up but a sort of Vanderpump Rules style show of people that work at her bar and restaurant and I think the others saw her using Southern Charm as a platform just to get her own show rather than actually be their real friend and film a show together. So I think it's a little bit of jealousy, probably similar to what happened when LVP got a show on Beverly Hills.
2: I, I agree. And I think that it's really funny because Austin tried to use the show to boost his beer Line or whatever it is. I don't even know his beer, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Craig has grown a whole business on it. I just I'm wondering if it's just truly like is Leva being really fake on camera and they don't like it because once cameras are up, she's acting a certain way. Or is it truly just them being jealous? Because if it if it's them just being jealous and I can be team Leva, I love it. But if I'm going to be like disappointed in Leva, then I don't know what to do with myself because I'm like I was really looking forward to a whole season of just loving her.
1: You know what I've, I mean? Yeah, I've kind of learned not to let myself love any of these people just because they will always let you down, except for the aunties on Family Karma, right? But the actual bravo characters that we see year after year after year, they always sort of yeah. I don't know. You can't, there's always something a little bit off if you're if you want to be on reality TV, right? That's a very good point. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means there's something in them that compels them to be on a show and that likely makes them a little messier. And when mm-hmm. you're a messier type person, you're, you're going to step in it at some point. That's and a very good point. <laughs> what I love, though, is the breaking of the fourth wall. and. Yes. Because we've learned through reading, you know, these books about the housewives. Dave's Quinn, Dave Quinn's book was basically all about how every single argument goes back to the show. So they they act as if they're arguing over, oh, you didn't invite me to your dinner, but really, it's something related to filming production. The whole Denise situation, it became very obvious, I think, to the viewers that it wasn't really about her sleeping with Brandy, although people were like, why are you using that? (laughs) You know, but they couldn't say we're pissed that you're making more money than us and you're not showing up to film the way that we're showing up to film. And so I'm hoping that the whole thing with Leva about her actually having her own show actually comes up because I want to know what they're pissed at. You know, rather than them saying, oh, Leva's fake or whatever, just these random allegations. You I know? totally
2: know what you mean, because when they're talking about it around it, because production doesn't want to get to, like, the fourth wall breaking down, it's not interesting. But as soon as they say, I know Leva's trying to get
1: a spinoff, I'm, a, I'm so in. I'm like, yes, yes, let's, let's say talk about that. It. And I think that's what would have made Vanderpump Rules a really good season. But instead... They're dancing around everything. I mean, this past episode, when they showed Jax returning the signed samurai sword, that was almost them indicating, oh, Jax and Tom Sandoval are no longer friends. That would be interesting for me to watch. They basically stopped being friends because of the show, but they stayed, quote unquote, friends for probably longer than they would have also because of the show. The actual dynamics between the cast is the real life dynamics is what I'm interested in. And um, I know that we're not there yet, but we will talk about OC (laughs) in a bit. But I think what I'm most interested in next on the OC is all of them questioning Noella because – Yes, her divorce is, to me, interesting. It's like all over the place. But them not buying aspects of her story and talking about it with each other and then confronting her is way more interesting to me than the actual elements of her divorce. So I'm right there with you. (laughs) In terms of what you are looking forward to most in 2022, what comes to mind first?
2: Okay, so I... I'm most looking forward to Summer House. Same. Because we've we've never had a Bravo couple. We've this is our first time like taking two shows and taking a cast member from two shows and them coming together. We've never seen it because let's face it, to be like you just said, to be on a reality show, you're a specific type of person. So They both understand the world. They're both do. They're both going to watch what happens live. And one of them sitting in the audience because they know what it's all about. I want to see how this is going to play out on camera so badly because we're also talking. Madison's going to get brought into this somehow. There's going to just be like Austin, Madison, like we're merging two shows together that I already loved. I mean, Southern charm is, you know, on the fence, but you know what <laughs> I, I know. mean? Yeah. Uh, but like we're, we're taking like this very messy potential and putting it on camera and I can't wait to see it. I also need to see what happens with Sierra and Danielle. Because. Yes. Yes. Because I can't remember what account Uh, slow mode that fight. And at the very end, you know, when you're, I'm talking about in the trailer, when you see Sierra throw a drink on Danielle. Yeah. At the very end, you see a glass hit Danielle.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: So it was drink thrown, then the glass.
1: Oh my god! I, Oh, <laughs> it's such a disappointment. Like I, I know. really thought she was going to be good once it was just her and Paige, but I think she's just very immature. You know, and I know, like she's twenty four and she's totally a, you know traveling nurse and all of these. You know, ICU nurse. Like she's been, she's been through stuff, but when it comes to her interpersonal relationship, she seems a bit stunted. So totally. Oh,
2: I agree. Mm. I, I actually knew Sierra. I I didn't love her even on summer house. Cause I was like, she's, she's hitching a rag to Hannah, like die hard for Hannah. And she didn't give us enough. In my opinion, she like just kind of wanted to sunbathe and be, the, be cute and like talk shit. But she wasn't, I don't know. I just, I had a feeling I had a feeling she
1: just, Seems like a mean girl to me. Yeah. And I like that. I'm very I don't sensitive know to that. what her deal is exactly. But I was willing to give her like, okay, if she hits yes. her wagon to Hannah, let's see what we got on Winter House. But I think there could have been so much more from her. And I don't know. She's just in her confessional. She doesn't open up in a way where I really understand where she's coming from. So we watch her, but we don't really get the backstory and how she's feeling in that moment and and maybe it's cuz she's afraid of like tapping into all of her feelings. I'm not sure. Totally. But she seems to be very into Austin and I agree with Danielle like willing to argue over him rather than blame him for seeing multiple women at the same time and leaving them on. Like he is the common denominator. He is exactly. the problem. Don't blame the woman. Blame him. Exactly. I always feel this way, though, like whenever someone cheats, I blame the person who's in the relationship almost solely because they're the ones that are breaking, you know, either what they said they would, you know, be monogamous or if they're married, they're breaking their, you know, wedding vows. So, yeah, you know, someone who's a mistress, like, do they know the person's married? Maybe, maybe not. You know, but the person who's married certainly knows they're married.
2: <laughs> I think that I'm you know? kind of right there with you because it's like they're getting lip service from uh, the person saying, you know, it's basically the relationship I'm in is over, right? So Things that's like that why all the
1: time, or so they take it, off the wedding ring, or they whatever they do. People can be very manipulative, but if you are legally married to someone, you know you are legally married. Exactly. <sighs> Well, I am actually really looking forward to the Real Housewives of Dubai, and I, maybe I'm the only oh, one. But no, I, I <laughs> I'm so curious how they're going to manage this whole thing. I want to know, are these all people who are expats that are living in Dubai? Are any of them, is it Emirati, like from the Emirates? I, I think that's the nationality. Is you know that how you say it? Emirati? That sounds like Illuminati. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Who knows? I like it. These people. Um, So I'm interested in that and just kind of seeing how Bravo navigates its first international franchise. I know that there are are a lot of problematic things about the United Arab Emirates, you know, and the laws that they have there with women and LGBTQ and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, we have problems here, too. (laughs) That's sort of why I didn't I didn't clock it.
2: Um, the way a lot of people did, because I was I, I thought, yes, I thought, you know, I just didn't, to be honest, didn't even think about it. I'm like, they wouldn't have greenlit a show that they couldn't represent the way they want to represent. And uh, we have so many problems here in America that I, I mean, where can you film if there aren't problems? I do understand that there are strict laws there, et cetera. Yeah. But I'm curious to see how these women are able to live and function in this like glamorous
1: life. Well, I think. I believe that, you know, if you are an ex, a wealthy expat in Dubai, you are not held to the same standard as, you know, people who are, <laughs> I'm probably butchering this, but Emirati. So, you know, the, the, the people who are <laughs> yeah. from there, I think, are held to a different standard. That's the case in, you know, when I lived in Bangladesh, as a white person who is from the U.S., was kind of allowed to drink and things like that. But, you know, my Bangladeshi friends had to sneak into Western hotels to have a drink. So it was a very mm. just like a different sort of system. And then if you have money, you get out, oh, away with a lot more. And that's the case in most countries, you know, <laughs> our country, their country. So I don't know. I'm very curious to see how it's going to go. I think... That I could see that the uAE government, which is trying to wage this campaign that Dubai, I mean, they've been doing this for a while, trying to sell like Dubai as the Vegas of the Middle East. and yes. they there's a article that came out recently about the economist Jeffrey Sachs from Columbia University being paid to like study happiness in the u a e because they have this. Anyways, people should look into it. But they're trying to sell themselves on something that maybe they are not. And I could see the government being like, oh, yes, we would love to have a Housewives show that yeah. shows the glitz and the glamour and doesn't show the dark underbelly of our society or our laws. But if you look at, you know, any of the shows that we watch here, it shows yeah. the glitz and the glamour of living in the U.S. and not any of the underbelly of our legal system as well
2: exactly or maybe (laughs) like when Luann got arrested and not once did they talk about the fact that because she's a white wealthy woman she could violate her probation like as many times as she wanted and no no
1: penalty whatsoever totally so maybe we are getting kind of a front row seat you know to the legal yeah so I don't know I'm just curious. I'm very interested. I, I am
2: right there with you. And I'm also like, I'm wondering too if there were rules of what they can show. Like they're like, we'll let you film as long as you don't paint us in certain lights. Or I don't know. Like I wonder if they can, if they're gonna get in trouble with what they show. I would I hope that it can be an honest representation of what it's like for expats versus people who are from there. But um it's like it's such a kind of dangerous sounding housewives franchise that I'm like, yes, I, why don't we want to see that if they can document this in any way, let's please let me just at least see one season so that we can, we can get a taste of
1: it. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And while it's, it's the reality of these wealthy people, right? We're not seeing the reality yeah. of, you know, just like else. all just, just like, like the all rest other of it. Franchises. Yeah. and they are held to a different standard. So um, I'm also really excited for the real housewives of New Jersey. Because this is going to be the fourth year in a row that they have the same cast. I love this cast. I think they are incredible. I want to see what's going on with Teresa and Margaret, but especially why are Dolores and Jackie arguing? (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it.
2: I have been waiting for Dolores and Jackie to go at it again for seasons because they had and I think it was Jackie's first season. And Dolores was just like, I don't like Jackie. <laughs> like Dolores just did not care for Jackie and her energy. So them going at it, I, I just, I, I love it. I love it. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I, I like when Dolores gets Patterson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm obsessed
2: with it. Um, I, I need to see more of the Teresa and Louie situation because I get such creepy vibes from him. It's, he came on so strong. They've already bought a home together I would like to see why, because obviously in the trailer, we get this tease of her being like, they're still filming, like whispering basically to be quiet. And then she's asking at one point, why are they still filming? Like, what are you trying to keep off the show? I get her being
1: cagey because she's been through it. But I need to see. I need to know. I think. There's stuff that came out about his ex, him and his ex-wife oh, yeah. and their divorce. And I've seen all of it. So I think Teresa just, she's always likes to keep her head in the sand. That's like who she is, is not paying attention to red flags. That's like a personality trait for her. So I think she's frustrated that they're bringing it up. Are they bringing it up just because they're on a show or because they care about her? I She's made it very clear that she does not want to know anything negative about the person that she is with. Totally. That's (laughs) a great point. But I am curious to see the audience reaction to Gia because forever Gia has been everyone's darling. You know, how dare you talk about Gia? How dare you use an analogy where Gia's there, let alone now Gia is an adult. She is signing the paperwork to be on the show on her own. And just like Brooks Marks, you know, it's, she has to know that it could be favorable or unfavorable. And I think for the longest time, she has gotten away with some stuff because she's like, oh, I'm the kid and, you know, everyone loves me and you met me when I was seven or eight. And when she sticks up for her dad, it'll it'll just be interesting. I get it's her dad and she wants people to stop talking about him, but he did some bad stuff And it messed with their entire family, and it's her father's fault that that all happened.
2: It it is so eye opening how blind that whole all the girls are. Like it's Teresa and Joe that did it. Obviously, it's their parenting. But it there's a whole TV show about all the stuff Joe Judice has done, and she still is like, "Don't talk about my father." And we'll defend when her father says stuff about her uncle in the press. Like, it's just a blind loyalty. It's very Teresa. It's literally the way Teresa is as well. It's like we just pretend like it's not happening and we blindly support no matter what. And I personally have always been terrified of Gia. Gia is she was a savage little girl who was such a brat. But I get that she's a she's a kid. So, you know, it's like, well, she's a kid. Who cares? But as I've watched her get older, I've remained terrified of Gia. Gia scares <laughs> me because she's like she's so she's just she's very similar to her mom. She will fight a bitch. She will blindly support something that's clearly wrong. I mean, she herself was upset about Joe not having citizenship and therefore having to be deported. Like she was upset. She was mad at her dad. But then as soon as like. I don't know. It, it it's I'm 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 I've I've always been afraid of Gia, so I'm prepared to stay stay afraid of Gia.
1: Yeah. It'll it'll just be interesting to see the reception to her. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm interested in. Um so some bravo news. We've got two new Beverly Hills cast members, Diana Jenkins, who's full-time, and Sheree, is it Zampino? Who's a mm-hmm. friend of um Sheree is a friend of Garcelle. We've seen her on the show a couple times. Um, She was formerly married to Will Smith. I think she's a producer or a director, actor. I don't know. And then Diana, I know nothing about. But I know nothing about her either. I googled it. I thought you did. Okay, good. She's originally from Bosnia and she actually had to flee in 1992 um, during the war to Croatia for a year before emigrating to London. So I'm super interested. She's going to be our second housewife that is a refugee.
2: Whoa, okay, so she's got a fun story Do we know whose friend she is? Like what the connection Not like they always make it up anyway
1: I don't know It sounds like she's a businesswoman And I didn't look into all the businesses Because I am not familiar with any of them But I, yeah, I'm sure she's friends with somebody
2: I am so excited about Sheree being on there though I was hoping, I'm like Please get one of Garcelle's amazing friends To be on the show I want, A, I want her to have another ally on the show but B they are interesting and I want to see them same I want to see how they interact with the rest of the cast
1: I love Garcelle I'm so glad she's back like I want her to be a staple on the franchise the way that Kyle is like she is fun to watch she's got great confessionals like her and Kyle's confessionals are second to none because they're always narrating what's going on in a way that I find entertaining I love Garcelle, you know.
2: And did you see um, Lauren, who runs the account, the Zen Blonde, went to a tape a filming night at Sutton Strack's store. Ooh, I, yeah, she was. And so she said that Garcelle was the realest, sweetest, best ever. She's like, she's just so down to earth. And she was actually talking to the other, to us and like making jokes like, God, I need a drink for these women. And just, she's like, I I'm obsessed with her. I was already obsessed with her and I'm even more obsessed with her. And I love when you get information like that,
1: that validates
2: your love of someone.
1: Totally. I have a friend that met Sutton in, um, oh my, and then. Georgia. I can't remember the, the name of the town. Um, last summer, was it? She was home and Sutton was doing a pop-up shop. And so she's like, oh, I'll stop by. And no one else was there because it was right when it started. And so she was just like stuck for 10, 15 minutes talking to Sutton and she's like uncomfortable talking to. I, I had her <laughs> on, I too? had my friend Katie on the podcast. And uh, Augusta, that's where she's from. Augusta. And so she said Sutton was in a boot Right? So this is after – so we didn't know all the stuff that happened with her ankle, but she was in a boot, and I think my friend was like, oh, we're really excited to see you this season. She's like, really? Like, she, like <laughs> – I think she, like, wasn't sure people liked her. Kind <laughs> of was sort of the impression that my friend got. Like, she was very Southern, very proper, you know, all that stuff, but <laughs> – Sutton
2: definitely seemed super nervous whenever she went on Watch What Happens Live. Like she was, she to me seemed very nervous about that process.
1: I I feel like that's kind of relatable. I don't know that I would be comfortable, you know, sitting in that chair and like, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? Like, this isn't really my thing. Totally. She doesn't seem like someone who sought out to be a housewife. She seems like someone who stumbled upon it. (laughs)
2: I'm, still, I'm right there with you. And it's still confused. <laughs> what she's doing. Totally. Totally. Um, I agree with that.
1: The other kind of Bravo news thing that happened this week is Gigi from Shaz called out Lala on Instagram for ignoring the red flags with Randall and that she needs to, you know, own up to the fact that she stayed with him, even though there were some red flags, and maybe stop talking about him so much in public because they have a kid together. What do you think of, of what Gigi said?
2: I forgot that Gigi, and didn't Gigi and Lala go at it previously on Instagram?
1: I am not familiar if they did. Was that, I, I, I believe I they were friendly. It was them. Or was it MJ?
2: Some, no, it was Gigi. Oh, was it Ke- Gigi and someone went for each other? Maybe it was Kelly Dodd, but Gigi's been going yes, for other
1: Bravo lovers She has, and it's definitely Kelly Dodd.
2: Okay. Okay. And so I was surprised that she kind of went out of her way to shade Lala for being open and honest. Um, I don't have great opinions on Lala and Rand's relationship period. Never have never will. Um, when Lala first got with Rand, I've said this so many times, uh, I felt like Lala's trajectory was really cool when she came on the show. I liked Lala so much in her first two seasons. Then when she got Rand and became basically a sugar baby, it changed her whole personality. She just kind of, she got very full of herself, which I I'm sure if I was that age and I had a private jet, I could hop on whenever I wanted, it would make me an asshole. So I didn't ever love the relationship they had. I didn't like what he did to her, brought out in her, um, I also find him repulsive physically. So I was like, can you stop saying he's like the sexiest man alive? Like at Jax's wedding, he was all sweaty and coked out. I was just like, (laughs) I cannot handle this. Um, so it was kind of no surprise to me that this occurred. I think a lot of people were probably like, duh, um, At least in my opinion, it just seemed pretty obvious that he is a slime ball, but he's pretty good at being produced for camera clearly this season because every scene we get, he's like Mr. Hero guy, like, you know, just kind of leading the pack. I don't I I don't know why Gigi came for Lala. I just didn't really make sense. But in a way, I'm like, okay, she's not wrong. Because she is doing a whole press tour, I guess. But I don't know what is she supposed to do? Shut up about it? We want her to talk about it, don't we? I don't know. I'm very conflicted. Like Gigi, Gigi must have been really stoned when she did that because it sort of like <laughs> went in a circle. And I was like, wait, what are we saying?
1: Why are we here? Yeah, I think I may be the only one, but I thought Lala and Rand were the real deal. Like, I thought oh it God. started in a weird way, but that they actually fell in love. Like, the fact that she got sober and dealt with her father's death and he was there made me think that maybe they were had these, like, deeper bonds that was beyond just material stuff. Mm. And... Looking at it now that she had, you know, her separate bank account was able to get out quickly made me realize that she wasn't as dependent on him as I think she led us to believe. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I at the same time, I think the reason she's saying all this stuff now is because she's trying to process it and she's processing Mm -hmm. it publicly, but she hasn't had a conversation with him. She said that on the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. She said I haven't spoken to him since the day I left about anything other than Ocean. So if she hasn't had a chance to, like, talk through things with him, with the therapist, whatever, it's going to come out in all these other ways. So I I do think that she seems to be sane more maybe than she should, I don't know, just because they share a kid. I, but, but I'm thinking I about the kid. You know, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. But, and I don't blame her for being so upset. And also, but the I, kid's really young. I know, but she's going to grow up. The and kid's so young that, like... These articles are all going to be written about her, her parent. I don't know. I just am like, do you want to have all that stuff out there? You know, other people can publish it, but do you want to be the one saying all of it? Because this is your child's father, and... I don't know.
2: You know, I guess because like every kid is going to get fucked up by their parents. So I'm like, well, she was born into a pretty ridiculous situation with like a reality TV star mom. So by the time Ocean's able to really process, I feel like Lala may be able to have some conversations because it'll be like in 10 years. And by that point, it'll be like, yeah, you know, your dad and I really went through in the beginning, just so you know,
1: because isn't she a baby? Yeah, she's a baby. I just, I don't know. I always think you can't take things back that you say that show up in articles. And I'm wondering if if this is her processing, but maybe later on she wished she didn't share as much. I don't know. But, yeah, I guess when she got involved with him, she knew, I guess, maybe his reputation. But I I don't know. I thought he was a nice guy. I clearly was, uh, you know.
2: I not paying enough attention. I'm also I'm also in Los Angeles, and I know his reputation, and he's just never heard anything about him. Well, I mean, the whole 50 cent thing was like just one example. And Dana Wilkie, who does the podcast, you know, the twenty five thousand dollar sunglasses lady, she also had come out and been like, you owe me money, too. But like I because I worked at Soho House in West Hollywood for a couple of years as one of the food and beverage managers. And he was like typical creepy L.A. Like, I think I'm the shit. I'm like, do you get out? like he's this is, gross this
1: is like in dc how people in dc who work in the political scene know which senators are assholes know which ones are nice to their staff exactly no like kind of the behind the scenes on the things that the rest of the you know I totally guess country doesn't know and so then when things come out it's like wait you didn't know that <laughs>
2: That's a very good point because yeah. like when I was like, who doesn't, who likes Rand? But I forget that not everyone lives in Los Angeles and or worked at like the, one of the hubs of entertainment. Like, so I saw like Oprah, Michelle Obama, like I saw all the people. So when someone like Rand comes in, he wasn't ever mean, but he was always surrounded by chicks and like sweaty and coked out and like gross.
1: Uh, which is weird to be engaged to someone that is sober, like truly sober
2: Do you remember one time – it was uh, seasons ago. It's before Lala got totally – you know what I'm going to say, right? I know exactly what you're going to say. When they went up to Solvang and she came back and he was all fucked up and they got in a huge fight because they had a pack that they weren't going to drink.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was thinking you were talking about something else. Oh, what what do you think I was talking about? I think when they were in Mexico and she was like having an anxiety attack, but it felt like it was drug-induced.
2: Oh, uh okay. They're all, you know, Adderall, cocaine, 100%. Like, I was like, that's a come down. We've all been there. Or I've been there, at least. So, like, I knew what that was uh, immediately. Because even Stassi says, well, you haven't been partying. And so, and, like, obviously didn't want to say more because cameras were up. But, yeah, that was what that was. No, but they, when Lala, uh, they go on the Solvang trip. I think this was season seven and she takes her girls and she doesn't drink the whole time. She's drinking water the whole time. Yeah. Um, They have a party. They all get back from solving and they're, I can think it was Sheena's, some Sheena's party. I'm not sure who's, but um, she when when Lala gets there, she's like, Rand and I broke up. We're taking some time apart. We got in this huge fight because when I got back from Solvang, the day we came back, I'm sober the whole time I'm up in Solvang, and he is wasted, like gone, like not even there. We got in this huge fight, and I thought, hmm, that's some toxic energy. If you have a pact, you're going to not drink, and then you come home, and he is disgustingly trashed. I was like, how have you? Yeah, I that. And then, of course, she has maintained her sobriety, uh, which I'm so impressed with. And, you know, that's not easy to do in this crew. Um, And she is clearly sober. Like you can tell she is sober, not like James, where it's very questionable. But in like smoking weed and stuff. But yeah, I
1: always thought that was a big red flag. Interesting. I totally don't remember that.
2: Yeah, I'll find it. I'll, I'll find it and send you the clip.
1: Oh my gosh. Speaking of James, this whole episode this week on Vanderpump Rules, a lot of it surrounded the storyline that he is controlling over Raquel. And (laughs) I I can't stop laughing at this whole like storyline, which is that he's angry about her potentially having a bachelorette party with penis straws. (laughs) exactly the kind of storyline i do want to see on vanderpump rules we have been missing this sort of level of of just ridiculousness i mean what do you make of all of it we already know they broke up in real life but i feel like i feel like they're just they're so confused as to what to even
2: show on this season you've got rand and lala who've broken up and it's like really playing out that he was a total dirtbag, um and then we've got this raquel and james relationship where we now know that they've broken up i feel like production's like what the hell like i feel like they don't know what to show right um i f- the scene that got to me with regards to like the whole james being controlling storyline that they kept pushing this episode was when brock pulls james to the to the alleyway to have the conversation i was like why is Brock doing is this just for camera like this was just a very like and James is like what are you doing dude like why are you having this conversation with me in the back of sir on camera um I, I I I to be honest I have such a hard time with this show I love it I loved it so much the first like four or five seasons up until the season where Jacks cheated I think that's season six for me season seven eight and now nine it's just so gone downhill. Yeah. Um, this season feels I I took some notes because I was like, I just what what's happening here? So um, the scotch tasting that they had that that Randall set oh, up for yeah. Brock, it was like Randall was trying to be like the producer. And clearly he's just bad at it because this was so unnecessary. And why are they drinking scotch based on one little line that he said to Lala in a fight? Um And then the Toms taking a break. What are they taking a break from hanging out for? This is the weirdest storyline. The whole thing
1: is so weird. And again, I think it goes back to the show because Tom Sandoval said him and Katie had an agreement before going in that their storyline was going to be like, like being annoyed at each other about this bar. He said something like that publicly, which is frustrating because it's like, if you have to plan what the season is going to be in advance, then you don't have enough interesting stuff going on. Right. So, and then she's like, that wasn't true. That wasn't our agreement. So maybe he thought that like when he was going after her, it was for the show and then it became real. And then they got really angry at each other. But, I would rather watch her and uh, Katie and Ariana get along and put together a sandwich shop way more than watching the Toms and Katie like argue about. It's just
2: this is also like I was in the restaurant industry for over a decade. It is not easy to own a profitable restaurant. And the fact that these people who are just reality stars are like we're going to open a sandwich shop. I'm like, do you know how hard that is? It is not fun. It is not fun. The profit margin is super small. Like you guys can go do other things. Like, but the, the fact that they are trying to kind of keep it like restaurant adjacent because they originally started as a show about the restaurant. It's like we don't have. Can we just let's cancel this show and Tom Tom <laughs> spin off because I've been into Tom Tom and I will tell you that the, the the I call them the cast the staff. It was very good looking, yeah. trashy, trashy energy. Like my bartender was clearly drunk. And when he can, he kept forgetting to make our drinks, but he was on the well, to be fair, like it wasn't his fault. He wasn't supposed to be making drinks for guests. He was supposed to be making drinks for the restaurant. But he came over. He was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And brought uh, brought the drinks. And he started doing a dance with his pecs. He started making a move. <laughs> and I was like, you could do this all night. Like, I, like I, I do not mind objectifying you as long as you're not upset. And then there was like another guy we've seen him on. Uh, we've seen him on the show. He's got like the ponytail. He works at Tom Tom. He's got the ponytail. Clearly gay. They, they, I, I can just see the cast. I'm like, just let's just do this now. Then you can focus on the Toms and still get the people that you want. But you don't like we don't need to keep going to Sir, because I will tell you now, Sir, as a restaurant, as like an actual restaurant is beyond dead. Like I was, we, we walked, we walked down past sir. Like we'd just been at Tom -tom. that was all loud and busy and sir is like closing up. There's no one in there. It's just a very sad place to like keep trying to go back to. And I always feel so bad when I see like Raquel and Charlie in their uniforms, I'm like, Oh God, please don't make it's dark. It makes me sad. So let's just
1: move on. I also don't think we need Lisa Vanderpump anymore. Like this feels like, She's bringing the show down by forcing herself to still be on it.
2: She is like pilled out to the next level. Really? The the scene? Oh, my God. Yes, the scene anytime she's in a scene, she's practically got her eyes closed and the scene when she's with uh, Lala, not Lala. I'm sorry, Katie and uh, Ariana, because, uh-huh. you know, they have to, like, bring Lisa in to, like, talk about what's going on. It's very it's so produced. But Lisa's eyes are like closing and she's like kind of getting invested. She's notoriously kind of pilled out and
1: strange in real life. Really? That I've mm. never heard that. See all these things I don't know. Living yeah. all the way in D.C. I can tell you every single senator and, like, what their reputation is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, that's so interesting. The only person that I can tell is, like, visibly off recently was Noella on the O.C. And that scene with Nicole, when her eyes were, like, half closed, I felt like she had taken something even prior to drinking. And I don't blame her. She's going through rough Xanax, time if she needed sure. a Xanax or something. But I felt like in that scene, Nicole was super uncomfortable for how messed up Noella was. And I think she was kind of trying, didn't oh, know yeah. how to handle the situation. And so it came across like she was uncaring and Whoa. doing the wrong thing. But I, when she said, I'm uncomfortable. I don't think it was because Noella is, like, crying. I think it was because Noella is crying and very, very, very messed up.
2: Yeah, she'd ordered... They, when they did, like, a flashback, she'd ordered, like, three cocktails back-to-back. I mean, I was she like, And
1: tequila, too, like... Didn't seem um, with it. and And so that that kind of stuff scares me like when someone looks so out of it like they could vomit at any point or (laughs) like they like don't know what's up or down and it's just like oh god let's get you in a car and somewhere safe away from this place if you're unable to eat if you're unable to you know behave like a normal person like
2: she's like nicole's like we're on camera
1: And she kind of was like, let's get you off camera kind of a thing. I think so. I think it was like, this is not good. And not just off camera, but let's get you to a place that's not public where you can have your meltdown. But I think she handled it wrong by she was just like uncomfortable and not (laughs) sure how to how to comfort her friend because her friend was like so wasted and they don't know each other prior to the show, right? I don't think they know each other that well. And so, let, let's let's dive into the OC. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> here is what I have heard about Noella, and I think everyone has heard these rumors that I'm so she excited. very much wanted to be a housewife and that she has kind of gone out of her way to do things that would get her on the show, such as befriending cast members like Bronwyn that was kind of she kind of forced herself to try and get on the show and then when Bronwyn wasn't on and she was that friendship ended very quickly which meant it wasn't very deep to begin with in my opinion um and that they bought or they rented a specific house because it was grand enough to be on the show and now James her ex is alleging that they bought a place in in Puerto Rico and had actually planned to live there permanently, but probably because of his tax scheme. But um, yeah. she went back to the OC for filming purposes, but that when it was done, I guess they were going to go back to Puerto Rico. So I don't know. I feel like... I'm always wary of the people that want to be on the show more than anything. And sometimes it works out. Like, it sounds like Jennifer Aiden was sort of like this on Jersey, that she, you know, got the house that was over the top, that she had tried to be on the show multiple years in a row, and it wasn't working until she finally got on. But with Noella, I feel like it may be a crash and burn. Like, I think she may have a couple really good seasons where the drama all centers around her, but then the audience might eventually get sick of it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah,
2: I, I, I'm, I, okay. So disclaimer, I (laughs) am one of the most gullible people in the world. So (laughs) uh, I know this about myself but it makes it very hard for me to form an opinion. So my journey with Noella has gone like this. See her on the show. And I'm like, oh my God, James, how dare he? How dare he do this to her? Then James does his weird talking straight to the camera statement that went on and on and on. And I'm like, hmm, do I believe him? She has changed that whole sex dungeon thing and the whole bisexual like leading with it so heavily was kind of annoying. Then she then she then she produces a statement that like counters everything he said. I'm like, now I believe her. Then he puts out his statement and I'm like, now I believe him. So I'm finally able to land right here. If his most recent statement of we were always planning on living in Puerto Rico, this was always the plan, but she moved back for filming and now she's playing up this storyline. If she if that's true, this woman deserves an Oscar because she is there. If what he's saying is true, that means that she is totally making all of this up and delivering crying scenes and distraught scenes and and she's delivering monologues. And if all of this is just one big
1: thing for a show. Like, give her an acting career because, (laughs) oh, my God. I I think it might be. Like, I'm not saying that she's lying about everything, but if she...
0: Something is very
1: off with both of them. Like, I think they're both very problematic people. To find out that they had a fake wedding with Gus and then took a honeymoon when he was still legally married to his ex-wife and had not filed for divorce or sep- legal separation, like, that's insane. And that went on for years. They didn't even get legally married until 2020. 2020. So, I-, I don't know. And then there's this stuff about, like, I, if he has not seen his son, that, to me, is the worst sin he could commit. And I don't know if he's seen his son. And so, yep. for me, I'm looking at him sideways. The whole Puerto Rico thing, like he's being shady about trying to dodge some tax stuff and also trying to make the divorce happen. If you got married in California and you want to get divorced elsewhere, but your partner doesn't want to go through the divorce in that other place, the other jurisdiction, like it feels it all feels a little shady. Um, but I feel like she was in, yeah, she was in on the shit that he was doing. She even said in a comment, like, I helped bury the bodies. Like, I, I knew, yeah. I'm like, she's going to delete this. This happened. Yeah, let me find it. So she posted this. Oh my God. She posted, um like saying it was a couple days ago i'm posting with every hope to delete shortly thereafter if you read oh, okay, nothing yeah. else i know for the first time in months there's forward movement with my divorce basically saying thank you to all the viewers because you are moving things forward because everything was stalled until he saw the bad edit he was getting um and then it someone says something negative about James, and she goes, I hear you, says, he isn't a sociopath, but let's just say that the only way to get through to a narcissist is through overwhelming public opinion. I know a lot about what he's hiding. Heck, I helped bury the bodies. This isn't for or about him. This is for my son. For LJ, I will never stop fighting. Strength in numbers. Thank you for your support. Sending you and yours love. Yo, if she says, "What? I helped bury the bodies. I know what he's hiding." I feel like she knew about some of his shady tax stuff, and then he thought, "Oh, I'm I'm okay having you be on the show and me sort of be on the show." But when it came up the tax stuff, I think he was like, "Oh, you're not supposed to mention that on camera." Like, and she I think was willing to sell out anyone. To create drama. And then he was like, fuck it. I don't want to be part of this. And left and filed for divorce. We have never seen him on camera. We've never seen him on camera. And we've never seen the son on camera. And she yeah. never mentioned the son's name. And he says in this group of want- attorneys, mm-hmm. he doesn't want the son to be shown. I Also, we haven't seen her daughter. She has a right. daughter. And... I've been told that she no longer has custody because like the father didn't want the daughter on the show. So she was like, okay, you can have the daughter while I film the show. What? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, okay. I, she's really getting a lot of sympathy from everybody. Um, because if you look at just what she's saying, it's awful. Like if you're looking at just like they were happy one day and then the next day he left and hit her with divorce papers and he's not seen his son since then you're like, oh my God. But then when he started to comment and I started to put things together, I was like, wait, hold on. Are they both playing us? I think so. Are they both? I think they're both playing us.
1: (laughs) I think, well, I don't think they're playing each other and us. I think both of them right? are very messed up and I think like she's willing to throw him under the, bu- like basically maybe they had a strategy
2: going in that they'd never bring up the tax stuff. I don't know what the yeah. hell. No, I and think then it's a, a fight sh- about the show. A- you're right. You're right. That's okay. become a I think, divorce. I think your theory tracks. I think, I think th- because, because yeah. when they do like the, when they do the pre-production interviews and stuff, it, they obviously told him like, okay, what about this tax lien? And he's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, We're not going to do this on camera. And she's like, whatever it takes. We will do whatever it takes to get on camera. And he's like, I'm
1: out. And then, okay, I love this theory. Yeah, okay. See
2: how gullible I am? I'm one of the reasons. Mandy's right.
1: No, no, one of the reasons. So I've always had like a spidey sense about Bronwyn, and she reminds me of Bronwyn. So I've always said like something's off about her, but I do think she's very good for the show and very compelling television. However, When you look at her social media, you'll see that her co-stars do not interact with her on social media, aside from every once in a while, Gina. Yes. And that makes me feel like her co-stars aren't necessarily in her corner. And that is when I started to be like, it's weird that she's posting stuff and you don't have Emily, right, who's also Mm -hmm. an attorney, you know, saying like, yeah, go get him, sis. And... You know, uh, Dr. Jen, who are all these other people that filmed with her? That have been
2: through filming with her and know how this plays out.
1: Yeah, Shannon, where's Shannon in all this? They filmed some scenes together and she said, oh, Noella is so nice to me. Where is she now? So that makes me suspicious of Noella. That is a great eye, great catch, because...
2: (laughs) I'm just. because that is some good detective because it's true though because they've seen it all they've been through the entire course of filming mm-hmm. they they know things we don't know and if they're not
1: if they're not interacting and i'm that's not it's a big deal everyone that knows me knows me i'm not like the most like on instagram person so but i do know because i follow almost all the housewives who When one of them posts anything, they almost all always comment, heart emoji, like the post, that kind of thing, if they are on good terms. So I went through her post because I'm stuck inside and everyone has COVID in D.C. (laughs) I'm sitting on my phone and I'm like, huh, their only person that commented was Gina and nobody else is, is, you know, kind of coming to her support mm. and so i feel like something's very very off with both her and james very wow That I think very very telling thing very interesting to watch for sure
2: yes her confessional like the main one where she's kind of recapping everything and she's got like the jewel whatever on her head she the way she speaks in it has kind of always like It's like it makes my skin crawl because she's almost like an ASMR sound to her voice. It's very it's (laughs) very like it's very controlled and uh, there's something inauthentic about it. But then you also it's hard for me to imagine that this woman is just making all of this up because she is delivering
1: crying. I don't think she's making all of it up. I just think there's enough of it that doesn't track. And I think she For me personally, like as Mandy, I do not become friends with people that become my friend too quickly and share with me too much too soon. Because it's like, why are you telling me all this? Like, this is weird. I just met you. You know, it's when you develop a friendship with someone, it's sort of gradual. It builds over time. And over time, you share intimate details of your life with your friends And when someone shares too much too soon, that makes me feel like they don't have normal, healthy boundaries in relationships. And why are you telling me and not someone else that you've known longer than a week kind of a thing? And she seems like the kind of person and Bronwyn seems like the kind of person that does this. They befriend people. They say they're best friends right away. They travel. They take all these photos. They comment on each other's. Instagram pictures and stuff. And it's like, how long have you known this person? What is your friendship really based off of? You know, they don't seem to have very long term friendships or relationships. They seem to go from person to person to person, which can be common for people with like personality disorders, and I, I get what
2: well, I get what you're saying, you because know? it's like you can keep up the ruse for only so long. And then as soon as someone's onto your game, you got to move to the next new person and almost like love bomb them with yeah, friend attention, it feels like
1: lo- like friend love bombing, like something seems mm-hmm. off with it. And I don't necessarily think they're always like have a ruse or a game. It's just if you can't keep up like long term relationships from friendships, like if you have no friend from your childhood that you're still in touch with, if you have no friend from college or your first job or or whatever it is, if you haven't had a friend for like longer than five years, then that tells me something's off with with you. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I know and I don't, that doesn't go for everybody. I know some people like moved a lot as a child and, you know, the, there's a lot of reasons why some people may not have that many people from their past, but kind of in general i get really suspicious of of these types of people and mm-hmm. they make me uncomfortable cuz i <laughs> feel like mm-hmm. something's off with them if they're sharing so much and trying to like make the friendship more than it is when you're like we just met like 3 weeks ago and i love that is out also- with you but like that is also why it was weird with the Nicole Noella lunch,
2: because when Noella in her confessional is like, I need a friend who's going to wrap me up and hold me and blah, blah, blah. Right. I was like, didn't you just meet Nicole?
1: Like, like your mom is, long ago is with you right now. Like let your mom do those things. You know, I know I think she obviously has to film and she was in a terrible mental state to film, yeah. but something's just off when I watched her and Bronwyn's friendship on social media because Bronwyn's social media was crazy for a while. I think I stopped following her, but I, I actually, did. I stopped following her too. So on the OC, aside from Noella, how are you feeling about Heather debro's return? What do you think of Shannon on this cast? Like, what are your thoughts overall?
2: Great question. Great question. Um,
1: I had such high hopes for Heather
2: coming back on the show. Um, I was super excited because I was like, Yes, Shannon's gonna hate this. I have an unhealthy dislike of Shannon. I am I'm acknowledging that, but Shannon has just she is just one of those people that I I just can't stand Shannon. I can't stand her. <laughs> and I think she's a horrible person. And so I was excited to have a whole season of like take down Shannon. I'm like, yes, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. Then this whole thing with the lawsuit and Shannon bringing up the lawsuit. Okay, so here's what I here's what happened as far as I can tell. Right. Okay, so Shannon is out with Emily and Gina. They're doing shots of tequila at that place and they're wasted. And Shannon's like, I'm just confused because this Nicole chick is the one that sued Terry back in the day for a botched boob job. So I'm just confused. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, don't say anything on camera. But like, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm a little confused. From this point, so many steps could have been taken to, to confirm this rumor. Shannon could have texted Heather and been like, isn't this the same Nicole that sued Terry? Or she could have asked production. Isn't this the same? They could have Googled. They could have looked all this up. Uh, Gina could have done the exact same thing. Isn't Emily a lawyer? Like They could have looked up these court cases to see if it was legit. Instead, they get to this big fancy party at Heather's. I mean, Heather clearly had rules going into this season with production she's like i will come back as long as x y and z doesn't happen as long as i can control certain things like i don't want to play in the dirt too much with certain things and i don't love that it's being that it's handled being handled that carefully by her like when you the atlanta women come back on a cast they don't have rules they just they get right down in the dirt and they play and they come to earn that paycheck so heather has clearly been like At one point when she went on Watch What Happens Live, Andy asks a question or maybe a viewer asked a question and he looks at her and he goes, you're in it now. This is what you signed up for. And I can tell he must have been fielding so many phone calls and text messages from her, like orchestrating and calculating her comeback because she does. She she definitely wants to be on TV, but she wants it to be very controlled and according to her decisions. So. They get to this party. Gina clearly has a little too much to drink. And a producer is like, go talk to Heather about that rumor on camera. So she sits her down on camera and says, so I'm just confused because Shannon's talking all this shit about this about this lawsuit. I feel like Heather was more pissed at production because production is the one that let this whole thing play out the way it did. It could have been squashed so easily. This isn't even a story. This is like not even a big reveal. Nicole isn't mad about it. Like Terry clearly isn't mad about it. It was like a whole lot of nothing. And then when Shannon became the enemy, I was like, hold on. I'm all for a Shannon takedown and I get that Shannon is manipulating and talking all just being a total pot stir and behind the scenes that we don't get to see, et cetera, et cetera. I'm all for that being exposed, but Gina didn't play her hand, right? She could have totally like over the seats and got Shannon like backed into a corner and maybe like proven somehow that she is in fact, manipulating things. But instead she showed her hand so fast and now we're like, well, that's not that serious. Like that's right. You're the one who brought it up on camera it now. It certainly so like, seems
1: like the for me, the person who handled this incorrectly was Nicole. Like, yeah. how did you befriend someone and never tell them that you engaged in a multi-year lawsuit with their husband? I think it was multi-year.
2: I mean... You guys, like, it, you guys have been like, friends for years right. and not once because you were like embarrassed clearly that you did it and you thought you could go this
1: whole time, go on a TV show and with it, her. No one would know. No one would bring it up. Yeah, that's or maybe it's she just, just thought it really wasn't that big of a lame, deal compared to the yeah. other stuff going on in her life. So she didn't really think about it. But yeah, you're totally right. I think Heather was more mad at production and that's what you know, and so now, again, all of this stuff goes back to being angry about the show. It's not that you did it. It's that you did it on camera.
2: (sighs) Exactly. When you make a choice to film with someone and talk about something on camera, it's like when Lisa Barlow uh, says to Jen, like brings up Koa. Koa. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and that's what Jen was pissed about. I'm not ever going to defend Jen because she's horrible but like that's what she was like you just brought this up on camera right now like why did you bring it up and lisa's trying to act like she didn't mean to do that i'm like you all know that when you talk about it with cameras up it's a different business
1: situation than when you guys are just talking elsewhere yeah because now they can use it and now they will use it
2: oh man so yeah i'm a and also heather's like threat to shannon And that episode was so odd.
0: It didn't
1: seem to land the way she thought it would. It
2: didn't. It was like they needed to do a take two. It was like, "Mm, we didn't like the... Uh, Can you go back and do that again? That didn't
1: quite... It was like, what are you talking about? I do feel like there are probably other things that weren't shown that she was upset about. What are we missing? What are we missing? Like, what else are you like... Guys, do you have a text thread where you're sharing Yelp reviews of Terry DeBro? Like, we've all seen those Yelp reviews. Like, you can't trust Yelp. Like, you know, like, let's go to actual lawsuits against him, you know, to know what's happening and what the, you know, end results of these lawsuits are, right? Were they, was he found liable? Was, you know, all of that. But I don't know. I really think Heather has too much control. I've said this. yeah. Constantly. So I'm hoping that she agrees to stay on the show and they bring in someone who can match her to keep her in check. Because right now she's the head honcho. They all treat her like she's the head honcho and she comes up with what the rules are of engagement. And that's not fun. That's why we liked Beverly Hills because Sutton was like, fuck them rules. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm going to say what everyone's thinking, and no one's actually letting out of their mouth, which is Erica is lying. The Los Angeles Times is not doing a hit piece. This is based on legal reporting of multiple weeks of evidence, you know, gathering everything. I'm going to say it. And everyone else is like, how dare you bring it up on camera? We had an agreement. It's like, no, you're making a TV show. Stop with all these agreements. Talk about what you want to talk about. Let's see it, you know. I bet that because Terry does have so many bad reviews
2: and so many rumors about Terry actually being a botched type of surgeon, which is the irony of him being on a show called botched. (laughs) I'm sure Heather said to production right off the jump, we are not getting into anything about Terry. I'm sure she like she gave them like a clear set of rules. And I just like I said, when the Atlanta women come back, they're just grateful for the job. And they will they will show up and they will deliver like Atlanta is the only show that br- that fires people and brings them back more than any other franchise. You're right. It's You're amazing. Right. Like Beverly Hills has never done it one time. They bring them back for a cameo, but they don't ever like rehire a housewife. So here we are with Atlanta, like Sheree's, What is this? Sheree's third, third time.
1: time. And I And you know, like, she's going to deliver. There's something about the women on Atlanta where they know what makes a good show. Like, Nini would never be like, you can't have Kenya on, because she knows that her and Kenya together make good television. But on these other franchises, they're like, I don't want to film with her. It's like, that's not how it works, and it's not interesting for the viewers to not see this conflict that you guys clearly have. And so I'm wishing that there were more, like, formidable opponents like we have with Giselle and Karen hmm. And yes, the, you know, like, let's I wish we had more of that. There's no person that will take on Heather and kind of keep her in check. And that who Heather also can, you know, rag on like that doesn't That's exist. That's a great point.
2: Because Heather was good on the show when she had Vicky and Tamara, who yes. were not afraid of her and who. Wow, that's a very good point, actually, because that is kind of what's separating it. Because you've got Gina, who is just like amazed at Heather and her wealth. And Emily is just go girl, give us nothing a lot of the time. And these two newbies and then Shannon, who is like one of people's most hated housewives. So she can't really like garner a lot of strength because she kind of knows she's coming in. She lost Kelly. She's kind of got nobody. Right. So that's a good point. Emily lost Kelly,
1: too. Emily was friendly with Kelly. I think Emily politically and her views are very similar to Kelly, if not worse. But she's smart enough to know to keep her mouth shut and to be careful, whereas Kelly just says everything and offends everyone. If Kelly hadn't said all that shit, I don't think she would have lost her job because on the show, she got along with a number of the people and she didn't say anything like that offensive on the show. It was all her antics on social media that was mm-hmm. the issue. And totally. Emily's is just, you know, smart enough to know hey, I'm not going to tell people what I actually think about vaccines. I'm not going to tell people what I actually think about Donald Trump and QAnon and all of that stuff because that will only, you know, harm me.
2: Yeah. I had so much hope for this season, but I, I, the, that last scene with Heather threatening Shannon and it just landing so flat. I was like, oh, is this just not going to be what we thought it was? I didn't I only watched uh, from last season. I only watched the reunion and I went back and watched um, this, this episode where it was like Bronwyn's anniversary or daughters i don't know as Braun was throwing a party and shannon and kelly got wasted
1: Uh, and i wanted i wanted
2: to see that because shannon absolutely has a drinking problem and she pretends that she doesn't and she's very dorinda adjacent yeah in that if it's if it's ever brought up they deflect immediately and like and you know basically defend their drinking even though we can all see it's totally a problem so uh, other cast that. members
1: have said it's a problem in different yes. ways multiple times. Yes. Yeah. So
2: I um I don't know. I won't be bummed if I have to stop watching again because I just don't enjoy it. Like I've, I'm barely watching Vanderpump. I literally watched Vanderpump this morning <laughs> Uh like as a as if I was like half awake. I was like, okay, let's see. And I it's okay. Not all Bravo shows can be a hit. That's okay. We've gotten so much other good
1: content from them. I think that stuff with Noella will propel the season and the women okay, calling her out or having suspicions will be very interesting cuz we saw the the You're previews right. and I think that is that's interesting, you know. You're right.
2: Because I we all I thought that Heather was just gonna come in and like be mean to Shannon. And I guess I was like juvenile and just waiting for that. I'm like, let's just have everyone yell at Shannon the whole time.
1: <laughs> it just makes <laughs> Shannon look more I don't know, like I feel bad for Innocent. her. Innocent. Yeah, I know. you want to take Ugh. her side when you watch like it's just like, oh, this the punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime in this exactly. situation. Don't make me defend Shannon. <laughs> okay. Salt Lake. Oh. What do you think is going to become of Meredith and Lisa's friendship and Lisa and Jen Shaw's friendship? I
2: saw the cracks in Meredith and Lisa's friendship at the reunion. I said, I said to my sister, as I was watching it, I text her and I said, I 100% see them fighting by next season. Um, When Lisa thought she was coming to Meredith's defense, but Meredith wasn't even listening. And when Lisa like went over and was like pleading, like, "Are oh, did you see this? Did you see this?" And she's like, "I wasn't even paying attention." I was like, "Uh oh, this I can see this the I can see it happening." I think that this is an example of how reality TV can mess with a relationship. Uh, and because how often are you in a friendship where you've got a confessional with producers later, talking about your feelings on things? Like it all just it changes your reality. So I don't see them making up anytime soon i see i see this feud lasting quite a while because lisa's very stubborn lisa will not admit to any fault i am a lisa barlow fan however i'm very aware that she is scheming and problematic in a lot of ways. She's just very entertaining as she does it. Mm-hmm. She's my, she's my very first problematic fave. I've, i have never, I wish I could have more because like Kenya, for example, it would be a lot more fun for me to watch Atlanta. If I could get on board with Kenya, I just can't, but I get why people are same thing with Candace. I understand it. I just, I can't, but Lisa Barlow, I'm like, oh, is this what it's like to like that problematic person on a cast and know they're problematic, but be like, she's just really funny. So she's funny. She's got really funny lines. She's got really funny energy, but she's, she will never admit any sort of responsibility to anything bad. And so therefore, whatever feud she's about to get into, with, we see it happening. I don't see her backing down. I don't understand Meredith's loyalty to
1: Mary That I find very unusual. I think it's because, and she mentioned it a couple episodes ago, last season when everyone was talking about how Meredith was seeing someone and her and Seth were separated, Mary never talked about it. She was the only one who didn't bring it up besides Lisa. Lisa didn't talk about it on camera either.
2: Yeah. And it's odd because if, you know, with her, her whole relationship with Seth last season was odd to me it felt a lot of the scenes felt very staged for camera um I
1: don't know I couldn't I couldn't get a pulse on it what's your take on it I think they were staged because they switched production companies halfway through filming oh. and so I think in order to make everything make sense they would say like we need to do a pickup scene to make, oh my god to make these things you know like connect I think there's a lot less of that this season because yeah. it's the same production company. And that's also yeah. why I think Mary was in her closet for like the second half of the season <laughs> yeah. because she wasn't meant to be full time and the new production company came in and was like this girl has to be full time. So we need to get confessionals, we need to, you know, film her throughout the season because we need her to have a snowflake.
2: Thank you for reminding me. I forgot, like, I knew something had happened with their first season of production. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was, but it's that they switched and it made it seem a little disjointed.
1: A little disjointed. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. I think, um, and I've said this on another podcast or two, but I think Jen Shaw and Lisa became friends because for both of them, being a real housewife is their identity, and for mm. all the other mm. cast members, they have other things. Like, this is just something that they do, but it doesn't make up everything about them. But for Lisa Barlow, she seems to care more about the show than anyone else besides Jen. Oh, like, God. Lisa Jen. wants the show to be successful. She wants to be known as a housewife. She loves it. She wants people to like her. You know, she wants to be memeable. All of it. She's She lives off of it. And Jen Shaw also loves being known, the notoriety of being a housewife. And so I think they kind of teamed up because they want the show to be successful. Mm. And I think both of them probably... Everyone's been gossiping about Mary behind her back, saying, you know, I've heard this, I've gotten these messages. This is what we think is going on with the church. And so I think going into this season, they, especially Lisa, was like, this is going to be the season where we slowly start questioning Mary. And then when the Jen Shaw arrest happened and she got indicted, it threw everyone for a loop because it wasn't planned. And so, what I love about this season is we're seeing their real honest reactions to things because you can't plan an indictment. <laughs> so, watching them in that van was the <laughs> well most aligned. authentic, real, like reality we have seen on Bravo in years. They couldn't leave, they only had trickling of information when they were able to get service. In between all those rural roads and mountains. So yeah, I think Jen and Lisa have this sort of like friendship, allyship for the show. And then also I heard Meredith say on a podcast that she only lives in Park City part of the year. And that Lisa was one of her like friends, yes, of 10 years, but friends for when she was in Park City. And so they would get together when she was in town, but it's not like it was a year round thing. So while she knew her from social events and from them hanging out, I don't think she ever hung out with Lisa in a group of women where she would Mm. see Lisa's behavior. And so now I think she's seen some of Lisa's behavior and she doesn't like it. And so that's kind of where the crack in the foundation comes from.
2: I got some inside tea. Um, I will not reveal Ooh. my source in case she is <laughs> listening. But um, she works very close with um, behind the scenes stuff. She, she, you know, Clubhouse. Yeah. She moderates one of the clubhouses. And they were on her and like the uh, people were uh, talking to Whitney. Mm hmm on a zoom and Whitney said that the um, so remember last season when she's all drunk and she's at Sharif's party and she's like the other women are afraid of you Mm -hmm. and like ruins the party. She said that that was the first time um, that production asked her straight up like go go have this conversation now and she was so nervous that she got so drunk to do it and then you can tell that she's wasted in it. But since then she's like I'll just do whatever production tells me now. And I thought that was very telling because I, and again, I don't mind. I like Whitney. I think she's funny. I think she, um, is silly. She's, enjo- she's a joy to watch, but she can also get on my damn nerves. Uh, because sometimes it feels like she's got like production in her ear. Like they're, they're like, okay, now bring up the Mary Colt thing. She's like, and did you know, like, she just seems very, um, produced mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, She also admits that she was a huge fan of the Housewives when she was on Watch What Happens Live. She was like, oh, I was a huge fan. I like manifested this. Um, And so that tracks for me that she's like eager to make a make a good show too. the inside tea that I really got was that uh, Barlow is being set up a lot by production to look like the bad guy. Um, and I'm still processing this information, but I do, I, we all know that production manipulates stories, but I guess it like, it's, it's always hard for me to hear it. Um, but so for example, the whole Mary cult thing was supposed to be a season one thing, but Mary stayed in her closet and things just didn't plan out or didn't play out. And I, you know, whatever. So like you said, now they're going to do it this season. So the whole thing with cam was Cameron was going to be at that fundraiser wolf fresh wolf event because he is actually on the board of the utah foster care Mm -hmm. whatever the the foundation is and because production went to mary at that meredith Mm -hmm. at that party and said go have a conversation with cam over there about what he has to tell you about Meredith feels so bad because in hindsight, she just kind of allowed production to open this up for the cameras, I which see. is why Meredith has been so like, because when Meredith was crying about talking about it, I was like, why are you so emotional? But it's that she's like, I totally played into this coming out on camera and I feel really bad about that. Cause you never got involved in the whole rumor about Seth and me and another guy. Um, and then, so when Cam and Lisa go out to lunch that was planned by production as well because production's like, okay, we got a little bit of that. Now we have to go to lunch and talk about it again. And unless Barlow is going to like refuse to film, um, it's kind of like they set her up to look like she's trying to bring this up. I'm still on the fence about this tea because it's like, but Barlow is doing stuff. Like for example, I said, well then why does she go down to Mary right after talking about Mary to the women goes down to Mary and says, they're all up there talking about you and gives a very like light version of what she said about Cameron. The information I got back was, Oh, well she's, she actually had a whole conversation about Cameron. um, But it was edited out. That I got that
1: because I, I thought that because Mary, seemed disarmed after the conversation, like not as upset with Lisa, which made me think that they had like a lot longer of a conversation.
2: Yes. However, However uh-huh. then they go into the cave thing, Whitney and, and Barlow do the cave yoga and Barlow's like, we, it was really light. We lightly touched on the Cameron thing. It was really quick, which even contradicts what she said and watch what happens live, which is that they got into everything. They touched everything. So she is sort of just still confusing me, but I can 100% see how production wanted to make sure they had a good season because they got a lot of critiques from season one and how it wasn't great. Um, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people had complaints about it not being very entertaining. So I, i've seen I've heard a lot of things that production's done to make this season happen for example when they go ice fishing how they make that seem like that was the first time the whole group got together it actually wasn't it was when Angie had that party for her trans oh. child stepchild, production, stepchild um, but production actually uh didn't like what Angie was bringing to the table. And that's why you don't see her after that because they, she just felt very produced and very fake for camera, which Got I it. can totally see because she comes on this show as Barlow's friend and then throws her right under the bus the very first time she gets the opportunity. So they were like, well, this isn't panning out. And then they ended up using Jenny as the full time. And, but then they had to go I back see. and do the ice, ice fishing scene and, and pretend it was their first, first time all together. So it's they're doing a lot of producing on this franchise. Yeah,
1: it's I don't know. I think what again, what I love is the things that you can't produce, the things that just happen. And so that's what's been interesting to watch. And everyone's reaction to Jen has been very interesting. What I can't get over is that Meredith and all of these other women were getting these threatening text messages from a similar, the same number, the same kind of, you know, vocabulary, and they weren't all like trying to figure out who it was. I would want to know if someone was sending me really nasty messages. Like that's a scary thing. It's someone scary. I was going to say they they probably know where you live. They're you know, and if and if Brooks was getting them, I could see her. You know, yeah, he signs up to be on the show. People may say mean things about him on Instagram, but he did not sign up to get threatened. So I can see how she's like, once she figured out it was likely Jen Shaw, how if she shared that with everyone and they didn't immediately be like, oh, we can't trust Jen. She's like, what What the hell, you know? Yeah, I also
2: saw... Um Okay, I don't know if this is true and I can't validate it, but right when that (laughs) right when that the the video of Jen freaking out on uh, Koa, Koa, right when that came out, uh, a couple people shared it. I shared it at the time. I only had 750 followers. So when I shared it, uh, I got this message from someone that said, be very careful in sharing this video. What? And I was like, what does that mean? They're like, I shared it on my platform and I started getting these crazy messages, (gasps) DMs from someone threatening me saying, you don't remove this now and keep your mouth shut about this. There will be legal action taken. (gasps) She's like, I block, I would block the account and then another account would pop up. And then I had another person message me and say pretty much the exact same thing. Oh, I. My God, I purpose, I purposely kept the video up because I was like trying to attract it. I was like, I want to see if I get a message. But like I said, I only had 750 followers, so they didn't clock me. Uh, But yeah, I got at least two different people saying that they got multiple messages from basically Jen Shaw's camp saying,
1: keep this. this There's so many stories about her threatening people. Why on earth? (sighs) I don't understand these women.
2: I don't either. And so that's why when Jen plays innocent, there's just
1: too many stories. No, of her- she's not innocent about any, yeah. like I, when she, she is- uses
2: that little baby, like she uses her little tiny Jen voice. Like when she's talking to Heather and she's like, I didn't know what was happening. I mean, I, and then when Heather goes, I mean, you probably were like, I need my attorney. And, and Jen's she's like, like I well, didn't think no. I needed
1: an attorney. Cause I didn't do anything wrong. What the fuck? If you have a handcuff <laughs> on you, and you're not thinking I need an attorney. You're she's playing everyone, and she's Girl. playing Heather for a fool, and she's playing Whitney for a fool, and Lisa, all of them. And if you know, there can't be any crack in their loyalty to her. It has to be mob boss mentality. And it, I don't know. I mean, and Sharif knew. Oh, of course. The fact that people aren't going after him the way that they've gone after Erica Girardi. For he knew uh, something was up with her, and he's an attorney. So he's he an actually, attorney. He knows what's legal and illegal in a way that Erica Girardi probably didn't and doesn't. And I'm not trying to, you know, defend Erica, but the hate that she's getting from Bravo fans is compared to what is being directed at Jen and Coach is very off to me. You know,
2: that is a very good point because I just today noted that I'm barely covering the Jen Shaw of it all. I like, I, I almost don't have the energy for it because- I think Erica wore me out. Number one, I yeah. covered s- every little thing Erica said. There was something so fascinating about watching her narrative shift right in front of our eyes from Tom lets me be myself to Tom was a bad guy. I had to divorce him for like irreconcilable differences. Right. And then changing that story over and over, over and again. over. And so it was fascinating to try to like <laughs> try to get some try to make some sense of it or buster or something. Um, But with Jen, she's so clearly guilty that it's like (laughs) anything she says, I'm like, do we even fucking care? Sorry to cuss, but it do weep even because she's like she's just just take send her to prison I don't even like this woman has so much nerve did you see the most recent one where she's in like a push-up furry bikini top and trying on jewelry like and says coach Shaw's my sugar daddy I'm like, like well wasn't he about to sell the house or something wasn't he about to downsize how is he your sugar daddy I can't like I So this woman, I almost don't want to give her a platform because I'm just very grossed out by her. But what I'm doing, therefore, is like kind of giving it all to Erica and giving none of it to Jen.
0: And I was like, I
2: think I need to do a little bit better
1: job of like fairly dragging Jen as well. I just think also people are expecting Jen to have consequences and so I feel they don't feel like they have to be the judge, jury and executioner because her trial exactly is it. in a few months and it's not looking good for her. Whereas exactly Erica it. hasn't really from our viewpoint as the you know audience, we haven't seen her receive any sort of actual punishment for what she did or didn't or any of that do.
2: Exactly. Because we know Jen is about to go on trial for this. And with Erica, it was it was like
1: we were trying to be the detectives. Yes. We were trying to make a case against her, whereas we know there's a case against Jen and they're going to lay it out very carefully in this trial. The reason... Oh,
2: that's such an interesting we psychology don't know study.
1: Most of I, I do think there is so much of like how much of it is that we're exhausted by stuff, yeah. and how much of it is that we know that there's more that's coming, or yeah. just the fact that we think that Jen isn't getting away with it. So we don't feel yeah. like we need to to do anything. But most of the evidence against her will be presented at trial. It is being withheld right now. So we don't have like more than just what is in the indictment, which is pretty light at this point. But yeah. we all know that the Southern District of New York isn't going to carry yeah. out charges. I mean, look at what they just did to just Lane Maxwell, whatever her name is. Jeffrey Ep- Epstein. Ghislaine. Yeah, I don't, I can't pronounce any of her <laughs> name. But that was the Southern District of New York. Like, they do not bring charges that they do not think they can win in a trial. They don't do it. They're so good at what they do. So it's wild to me that Jen isn't treating this as seriously as I think she should be. You know with listening to her attorneys no attorney would tell her to post what she's posting on social media and and but we know that there are consequences coming and with Erica she's continuing to post she's you know court of public opinion but you know she's still living a decent lifestyle.
2: It's so true. Like what a psychology study of this. Like I, we were, I was like, I have like, your honor, I have another bit of evidence. With Erica, <laughs> I had like, I had like side-by-side episode comparisons. Five seasons ago. She said,
1: you know, yeah, totally. It took
2: me hours to put together some of my like evidence that I wanted to, you know, submit to the, to the judge of who knows what. And now with Jen, I'm like, they got it. They got it. Like, I know they have it. Like, they're not coming and arresting this with like three different departments of law enforcement if they don't have it. I maybe I almost don't even want to like p- like speculate anything because I'm like someone they'll do it. I don't right. And I don't want to get it wrong. With
1: Erica, what's so frustrating is she would her whole thing is don't call me a liar. I'm not a liar. But as the audience, we're like we keep. You know, <laughs> yes, week after week, are. finding you to lie. What I've said since the beginning of the season of Beverly Hills was in order to believe Erica right now, of which I do on most of it, you have to acknowledge that up until now, she has lied. Yes. And I believe that she was lying to us for multiple years yes. about how good her marriage was, about how much control she had over finances, about how much of a boss bitch she was, because when shit got bad, it was not apparently easy for her to get out, but she did find a way. So, you know, I believe that the marriage wasn't that great. I believe you know, we all- that he cheated. I believe all of that stuff and that 100%. she was caught off guard with most of these lawsuits and all of that. I do believe, but, you know, 100% what I'm annoyed with was that she wasn't showing us her real life because we spent seasons we we had to we had to buy this act
2: that you were giving us for seasons. And that's like, I feel duped. I'm right. like, she should she should be retroactively fired for those seasons right. because she was lying the whole time. And even now she hasn't said I was protecting my image because I didn't want people to know that I was in a bad marriage. She's never once just owned up to that. It's like she just kind of talks back and forth around it. And it's just the frustration of trying to like nail her down was there. But with Jen, I'm like, she's just hanging herself. It's not even fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think think that's what it is. It's like with Erica, it was like a riddle to solve. With Jen, you're like, I mean, it's so
1: obvious that she did these (laughs) things like and it's it's so serious. You don't have like a SWAT team show up, you know, And, and I know people were very upset with I was the footage that we saw from the ring camera. But that is what it looks like when, quote unquote, the feds show up at your door. That is what they do. It is not just because, you know, she is a person of color and her family. Like This is exactly what it looks like. She played that up as soon as she could. She was
2: like, she always goes for the convenient. I'm a person of color narrative when it works in her favor. And that really pisses me off. Because like last season when she was fighting with Heather and then she's and she instead of saying like any kind of ownership, she's like when you call a person of color aggressive, it's very damaging. And when Heather's like, but you're being aggressive right now.
1: And also that she's was, she's not a black woman. She has a black family. She's black children. She has a black husband, but she herself is not a black woman. And so I don't know personally, like of any, the term aggressive being used to women of Polynesian descent. It is something that is said to black women specifically. And I think sometimes she tries to co-opt the black experience. exactly, um, Because her family is black. Exactly.
0: She's a bad person.
1: She's a mess. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. We've been gabbing forever. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at we speak
2: housewives and I'm going to be relaunching my podcast. Uh, I speak Bravo. I just took a little break, but I'll be back. I'll be back next year to cover everything. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very honored. You have a lot of cool guests on and I'm very, very honored. I would love to be on yours as
1: well. I was going to say invite invitation coming soon, girl. Awesome. It seems like January is going to be spending a lot of time indoors. <laughs> There's nothing else to do.
0: Nothing else, <laughs> nothing happening else to this do. Way. <laughs>
2: I'll
1: just do like a marathon of
2: podcast recordings. Actually, that's a good idea. I need to line some people up. I'll be texting you real quick after this because I need Sounds to get you, get you scheduled. Perfect.
1: Well, thank you so much. I'll have to have you on again for sure. And we will talk soon. Okay.